Welcome to the Racisms Podcast. We're your hosts, Jazlyn and Lisa. We decided that this world could use more cross-cultural conversations that seek healing over division, understanding over ignorance, and a better world overall. the Racism Podcast, where we have cross-cultural conversations to make this world a better place. I'm Lisa, co-host of the podcast with Jaslyn. Hello. And we're really excited to be back for season three. So shout out to some of our listeners who reached out to us, Cartier, Joni, Dustin, and Edwin. And if you want a shout out, please be sure to reach out to us by email or our social media. But before we get into this episode, first we want to talk about our challenge to our listeners. I'm sure many of you realize that putting together a podcast takes a lot of time. So we've set a goal to raise $1,000 on Buy Me A Coffee, which is a website that helps people fundraise. So we can come back for season four. That means it's up to you, our listeners. If you want us back, head over to Buy Me A Coffee's website. It'll be in our show notes and help support the podcast. Otherwise, we might just move on to another venture next time. Yes, if you guys love this podcast, you wanna see us come back for season four, we'll be promoting our fundraising goal all this season, season three. So go on over to buymeacoffee.com slash racismspodcast. All right, so our season three theme is going to be, it's a white world out there. This season, We'll talk with one another and some guests about the places and things in our lives that are obviously and not so obviously white-centered. So before we get into any of the themed episodes we have planned, we wanted to talk about the rise in anti-Asian hate crimes in both 2020 and 2021. The killing of eight people, including six Asian women in Atlanta in March 2021, really set it off for me. I had been angered over 45 calling the coronavirus the quote-unquote China virus, the quote-unquote Kung flu, but I didn't call my representatives to make him stop. And I was saddened and shocked that people were using that rhetoric to violently attack Asians, some of them dying, and it all culminating in the deadly shootings of eight people in Atlanta, again, six of them being Asian women. So Jasmine, we both know that 45 spewed hate all the time to all the races and genders. Um, what did you think about his language and how he was using anti-Asian sentiments during his his um, his time in office? To be honest, I avoided all um, news articles, videos of Forty Five and his statements. I didn't see any reason to listen to him he rarely said anything of um, use to me Um, so I wasn't really tuned in to all of the rhetoric that he was spewing Um, but I did hear about the you know the China virus and Kung flu which I mean you know in the in the context of him is perfectly in character so in general I just you know I think his rhetoric was um, not useful to any situation 
in particular in the coronavirus pandemic, it wasn't useful um, to the sentiments toward Asian people or helping stop the pandemic in general. So, yeah. Yeah, and for me, I I almost took it as, oh, he's just saying, he's saying say, saying stupid, awful things. It's not a big deal. He's he's not going to, you know, be reelected, so we don't have to worry about it. So me, I was coming to terms with that, like words matter a lot, um, especially spoken by the president of the United States. That's true. Words do matter. And I mean, I guess we should um, pay more attention to what our leaders say, even if we totally don't agree with them or think what they're saying is stupid, because obviously other people don't think it's stupid and other people listen to this kind of thing and take it to heart. So it's important to know what's being said and to and to combat it. Yeah. So for me, it was really the Atlanta shootings that, like I said earlier, really set off my wanting to take action and speak out about um, this anti-Asian rhetoric around the coronavirus that really spurred, you know, really emboldened a lot of people to uh, target Asian people um, out of frustration, out of fear. Um, And I'm wondering... You know, does it always take like a horrific event, you know, like the Atlanta shootings or the killing of George Floyd for people to recognize that, you know, words matter, actions matter, racism exists? Like, what do you think about that? How really horrific, horrific things happen and then we respond and like that, that's that, that cycle. I mean, unfortunately, that's kind of how things go. Um, and even more unfortunately, the, this kind of outrage kind of has a time limit in this day and age of just constant information thrown at us. Um, yes, we were outraged. Yes, I was very upset about the Atlanta shootings. Um, but, you know, things seem to happen on a daily, weekly basis. And unfortunately, we get outraged. But, you know, what do we do with that outrage? And how do we keep it up to not just forget what happened? I think that's one of the problems, too. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, like, same, I agree with you totally. You know, while while the Atlanta shootings really, um, for me, like was a, I had a very you know emotional reaction to it, and especially with the um, the awful news conference afterward, where the alleged or con- the alleged killer was almost excused for his behavior. That really like set it off for me. Um, so I'm wondering, like for like for me, like I've been attending a lot of um, these these online events, which t- which keep talking about the Atlanta shootings, which keep talking about anti-Asian um, hate crimes, talk about, you know, model minority myth. So, like, that's how I feel like I can keep 
keep up with it and not forget that it happened. But um, I know that's not really the best for mental health to always kind of be immersed in that. So do you have any, like, what, what, what steps have you taken to make sure that you don't, like, overwhelm yourself with just being immersed, like, being aware, but also not, like, having your mental health be affected by it? I mean, you just have to take time away from Twitter, away from social media in general. Um, Just be intentional about enjoying life, Mm -hmm. doing things you enjoy to take take your mind off of things. I don't think anything's wrong with, you know, taking time for yourself. Um, But also keeping in mind that you can't disconnect entirely. Mm-hmm. from what's going on you have to be informed and you have to let yourself care I think one thing about um, things like the shootings things like police violence and police killings is that you kind of get numb a little bit and maybe you just don't want to engage with it you don't want to I've stopped looking at videos um mm-hmm of these things happening and you kind of don't want to get too deep into it because it's really depressing and Mm -hmm. you know you feel a little like you know nothing's changing but you have to stay aware you have to speak out and to speak out you have to know what's going on so you have to engage but you still have to take time for yourself to disengage relax and um, make sure you're taking care of your mental state. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So I wanted to talk about uh, the Biden administration putting out this memorandum condemning and combating racism, xenophobia, and intolerance against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders in the United States, uh, United States, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, but I always, when this, when this came out, I kind of questioned, you know, where's the memorandums on anti-black hate or anti-indigenous people's hate, you know, and like, does this mem- memorandum change anything? What do you think about statements like these and, and actions like these? I mean, I, I think it's very interesting that the Asian American community gets a memorandum like this, specifically, you know, naming Asian Americans, but you know, black people who, you know, face racism, face violence, face, you know, police, state violence. Um, they might they might say, you know, we need to reform police. They might talk about things in a general term, but they don't get a specific, you know, memorandum against um, anti-black violence. Mm-hmm. And I think You know, I don't understand why that's so hard to specifically name the black community when you can name the Asian American community. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't I don't understand that. Um, I was looking at the. I think it was on the White House website, different um, priorities or different things they were looking at. And one of them was racism blanket racism (laughs) Um, and the other one was anti-asian hate like very specific so i really don't understand that i think they need to call it out because it is Mm anti-black 
Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we need to push our representatives to call it out. Um, that also leads me to think about how, um, you know, the rise in anti-Asian hate has been, you know, rising last year and into this year. And then you had the shooting in Atlanta and it seemed like almost with record speed, there was a, Mm -hmm. a bill that was passed to aim aimed at, um, combating anti-Asian hate, Mm -hmm. you know, which is great. I mean, you know, I wish we could all get things like that passed with record speed with bipartisan support, but you know, I'm still waiting for a federal anti-lynching bill um, for more than 100 years, we've been asking for that. I'm still waiting for the George Floyd Act to be passed. I'm still waiting for the John Lewis Voting Act to be passed. I don't understand why anti-Asian hate is a thing that everyone can get behind, but not anti-black hate. Yeah. Yeah, I totally... I totally agree with you on that. When when this came out, I was also very like, yeah, where's the other anti fill in the blank memorandums? Um, and and they, they they did just pass this other one, which is uh, a hate crimes one, where you know they could speed up the investigation of hate crimes, but they very specifically called out anti Asian sp- uh, hate crimes. And I was also like, well, you know, you remember. Um, I'm sure you remember, but there was there was all these people. There was all after the George Floyd killing. There was a lot of reports that people had committed suicide by hanging themselves, um, and we all could see that that's not what happened. But there was no anti. There was no there was no hate crime investigations in in those cases, you know. So I'm still very, like you said like upset or confused as to why it's okay to call out or why it's more palatable to call out anti-Asian hate but not anti-black hate and and hate crimes as well. Yeah, Yeah, it's very confusing. Yeah, do you think this memorandum changes people's opinions and perceptions though? Like maybe the government will do more but or not. But what about like the U.S. public, what do you think? Things like this, these declarations, do they do anything? I don't know if they change people's minds. I think maybe it'll bring awareness to people sensitive to that. Maybe they're, they might not be aware, and then they have this memorandum, like, oh, my goodness, this is happening. Of course, this is bad. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know if memorandums change people's minds in particular. What about you? Yeah, I don't think it's going to change individual people's minds. I mean, it definitely, yeah, it's like, oh, okay, so it's on the minds of the people in power currently. Um, So that is a good thing. But it kind of leads me into the next thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, letters and statements of support, you know, and how we feel about them being there or not being there. Um, And really specifically, I remember, I think it was a few days after the Atlanta shootings or maybe a week after, and 
that press conference happened where uh, the alleged killer was like, almost excused, was excused for his for his actions. And that I had a very visceral reaction to that. And so I wrote a letter to the Asian group at work to just you know tell people how I felt. And at the time, our leaders at work hadn't put out a letter or an email saying that they condemned you know this act. And at the at that time, I was kind of like, you know, if if a letter doesn't come out, I don't really care. But I'm also at the same time like wondering why a letter didn't come out. So I wonder if you had any like, what do you think about these letters of support? Are they helpful? Are they not helpful? Do you? care if they come out do you care if they don't what what do you what do you think about these things i never really expected a letter of support until last year Mm. um in general i mean i think it's useful for the person writing the letter of support if it's truly how they feel to Mm. make it known how they feel it might be useful for, say, in a company to know that your leadership is understanding that, you know, events outside of the office may affect um, certain communities in the office. So that might be nice. But I don't know beyond that what effect it has to combat things like this happening. I mean, yes, mm-hmm. it's nice to say I think these things are terrible and I, you know, I sympathize with you, but in the long run, I wish that we could, that letters of support did more to prevent things like this from happening. So, um, I don't know. Sometimes they're nice to see. Sometimes they're just an email. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like for me, when when a letter of support finally did come out after the Atlanta shootings, I was almost, I was almost like, eh, like great, but also too late. But at the same time, like, is it too late? Um, I had very mixed feelings. I still do, and I'm wondering, like, you know, if, I mean, yeah, we don't want horrific things to keep happening, but they will. Um, but like, when do like the the latinx community get a letter of support from from the from our leaders after something horrific happens you know that's just like i don't like how we always respond with after these horrific things with a letter of support instead of demonstrating that you have support like all the time well you get your letter of support when your month comes around so (laughs) you know you at least get one letter of support every year based on your affinity um mm. but yeah i mean yeah you gotta you're not just gonna get random letters of support lisa <laughs> that's not gonna happen <laughs> right right yeah
shootings happen, what was the response from like your your circles, your family and your friends? How did they respond to that? You know, I think it really, for me, like made it real that anti-Asian hate was was happening and that it could lead to lead to this you, you know lead to like a mass shooting you know while like we saw all like the the, the security footage you know there was definitely people who were you know, pushed and shoved and they did end up um, passing away like this one to me was just so it was so like crazy it was just it was so extreme to me that I was like okay now it's real because you know you could just be doing your job and then someone comes along to multiple locations and just just shoot you um because they have this this hate towards you um so you know that's when I started you know telling like my my family to be careful you know walk doing whatever they're doing, you know, during their normal day. Um, after that shooting, uh, you know, at work, we helped organize these these seminars where we talk about um, personal awareness and safety uh, and just not being afraid to look people in the eye, to, to make observations, to not be the people who, you know, keep their head down and not... Um, you know, try not to be noticed because, you know, it's the opposite that we have to, you know, make, be aware of what's happening and not, and and not just like walk in with our head down, hope that no one talks to us, which was kind of what I wanted to do. But I think afterward I was just, and it brought back all of the history of anti-Asian hate in terms of like the things I'm learning about, you know, the Japanese internment and Chinese, um, exclusion act so I think in our circles it was just a realization that wow this is really happening this is this is pretty large scale compared to like those single um, one-off event this is like some person premeditating what they're going to do um, and then targeting these Asian owned these Asian owned um, establishments Mm-hmm. So was it like this event kind of um, opened you and your family's eyes to the existence of this kind of events, kind of like when um, George Floyd was murdered, or was there a, a different kind of reaction there? Uh, I think this is, yeah, so this is, I think, the, well, in my lifetime, there's never, there's not been a, that I know of, you know, a mass shooting of Asian people. So, f- whereas, you know, if, if I had older, um, if I had older relatives who lived here for a while, you know, they, they would have gone through, you know, the Japanese internment after World War II. Um, you know, they, they might have come here and been discriminated against um, during the gold rush. So, this is like my, this is like in my lifetime, the first time I've experienced you know, I've, I, I've had to, I've witnessed, you know, this, this event. And for me, so for me, it was like, 
an awakening of, wow, you know, I'm not, I'm not included here. Uh, you know, people still see me as other, whereas for a long time. And as we've talked about in previous, uh, previous season, I've talked about assimilation. So for, for a long time, I felt like I belonged, you know, I'm, I am seen as white or accepted by white. Um, and this, these recent events have reminded me that that is not true and that I should not be kind of believing this lie that, uh, that's been taught me. So the killing of George Floyd for me was, uh, an awakening of caring that there is systemic racism, knowing that there's systemic racism in the U S and then this attack on the Asian women was more of a, oh, wow, it's also me. It's, it's not just uh, black Americans. It's also Asian Americans. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, how about you? Did you find it s- surprising that Asians were being attacked or... or because we're not often in in the news in that way. Um, I think with this, with the attacks like in the street of people pushing or hitting people in the street, I feel like that is really terrible. Like, how how can you? live with yourself if you know that you just randomly push an elderly person down in the street for no reason like I feel like you have to be a there has to be some kind of either mental deficiency or some cowardly I don't know what it is that makes people just attack elderly people in the street yeah so that is kind of surprising to me I didn't yeah I didn't know it was a thing to just knock people down in the street Um, with the shootings, um, it was terrible, but it's kind of in the vein of mass shootings in the U.S. So that was, I mean, it was terrible, but it wasn't like as unnerving as randomly getting pushed and stabbed in the street, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, because, because there's another mass shooting every week right in the u.s yes yeah yeah and you know some mass shootings are supposedly you know generic you know they don't target a specific group Mm -hmm. some mass shootings do target a specific group in this case they were targeting asian um people Mm -hmm. so yeah the shootings i think is a larger larger issue Mm mm-hmm than just anti-Asian hate because it's happening everywhere. It's happening in multiple situations. Like you said, these people were just working their jobs. Other case, I mean, you know, people still work in their jobs. People go to church, people Mm -hmm. go to the movie theater, people go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. It's kind of not safe anywhere. So I think the, the mass shooting aspect of that is a larger issue. Like if if the Atlanta shootings hadn't happened, I still would have been upset with all the individual acts of violence against mostly elderly Asian people. 
Um, but it wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought the same about mass shootings, um, the police system, you know, how, how they, how they look out for one another, how they look out for their fellow white man. Like I, I wouldn't have had that reaction to mass shootings and policing if the Atlanta shootings hadn't happened, if the police chief, I think, did not get, have a have a news conference where he he excused the the actions of this white man. So definitely, right, he had a bad day. Um, you know, he was a he was a sex addict and he had a bad day. That's that's not excusable. Um, I mean, you so, see this excusing of white behavior at the highest level, including the events of January 6th. Mm-hmm. Um, what, 35 senators or whatever the number is, don't want an investigation into the events of January 6th. Some say, you know, these people were just taking a tour. Some say they weren't afraid of them. They knew they weren't going to do anything. Some say, you know, it's, you know, they were just riled up. They were confused. It's an excusing of mm-hmm. certain people's criminal behavior um, and, and empathizing and sympathizing and enabling and that we don't, you know, other people, um, mostly black people, brown people, even Asian people don't get the benefit of a doubt of, oh, you know, they, they they don't know what they're doing or they didn't they didn't mean to hurt anybody or, you know, this was just a bad day for them. Mm. I mean, have you noticed that in other events? I remember when um, the church in South Carolina, mm. um, the people who were in Bible study, <laughs> Bible study of mm. all things, um, Dylan Roof came in. Supposedly, they welcomed him in because, you know, anyway, they welcomed him in and he started, he shot nine people, killed nine people in a church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was taken in to custody peacefully. I think they stopped at a Burger King, got him a Whopper meal. Wow. You know, a very tender handling of this person that literally killed nine people without remorse, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but if, if we, you know, if somebody gets pulled over by the cops and they look suspicious, you know, we have to worry about getting shot, mm-hmm. you know, because they, you know, they're so afraid of black people or they look suspicious. They look like they were about to commit a crime, possibly. Mm-hmm. It's it's really crazy and disgusting. Yeah. And and so. also, you know that the the um, I forget what part of the military he was in, but he was in full uniform. Exactly. And, and, and got pulled over, and tased. Right. Did everything right. He got pepper sprayed. Mm. They yanked him out like guns drawn on this yeah. person in uniform, and they claim mm-hmm. to be all about the troops, but not this troop. Mm-mm. So. The hypocrisy is just mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I definitely agree that if you are white, you are given the benefit of the doubt. Uh, and if you are not, then you are treated with the utmost um, violence, power that, uh, that, they, that they yield. They use it. Uh, so the, one of the last things I wanted to talk about, um, and this came up, I think it was a book I was reading. They were talking about this author was grew up um, as an immigrant in the 60s. Um, and at the time, they were people in the U.S. were still referring to Asian people as Oriental uh, in order to, you know, exoticize them, make them feel other. But we've so we've stopped using this word Oriental to describe Asian Americans. But that doesn't mean that we still don't like they just switched the word. But does it really change anything? Um, and I for it was and it reminded me of I think it was season one we were talking about this the term POC people of color and correct me if I'm wrong Jaslyn I, I think you said that this this POC this phrase it wasn't any better than uh, colored people that was used in the U.S. Yeah. so do you I want mean, to talk to more me, about words that's, that's that's how I feel <laughs> yeah yeah So what, so like, yeah, we change words, but what does it really do? And is changing words a good thing? Um, what do you mean? Like changing like, words from oriental or? Like for me, like I'm, 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 I think I'm glad that I am not referred to as oriental because it is also very, it just has connotations of being um, like in, in, a, in a different world, you know, never being, tr you're never going to be, you know, American or it's, and it's very exotic. So I'm kind of glad that I don't, they don't use the word Oriental anymore, but, you know, talking about Asian American, which, you know, this is also something I'm also um, learning more about. Um, that just washes away all the cultures, all the beautiful cultures within, you know, the Asian continent. Um, Asian is not a a culture. It's not a race. <laughs> you know, there is no there's no Asian person. It's just like we're Chinese, Japanese, Korean. You know, all that's all those countries and ethnicities. So, like, I guess my question is, you know, it's good that we stop using certain words, but do does it really matter? If people call me Asian or Oriental, that to them it might mean the exact same thing, which is you are other. I think it matters because you care. I think people should be referred to as they as they prefer. Hmm. Um, I think it shows respect. Um, yeah, and consideration. So in that sense, yes, I think it does matter. Um, unfortunately, I mean, that this is the world we live in. <laughs> mm. We're all grouped in some way or another. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to stop being grouped. I know some people will say they're just human. Do you just want to be human? <laughs> <laughs> A human being? <laughs> 
Yeah. I just think, you know, people should understand what what they prefer and then mm-hmm. and go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz yeah, everyone's going to be different too. Some people we're not a monolith as we all know. We're no one's a mon- no one's part of a monolith. Everyone in a certain group or category is going to have differing opinions about a lot of topics, not just um, what they're called. we like to do what we call a better world nugget and that's where we reflect on the episode talk about things that we've learned or things that we'll do as a result of it so i'll go first and then jasmine will go next uh for my better world nugget today i think it is important like we talked about in the beginning to stay engaged to know what's happening uh in order to act when the time is appropriate, but also to balance that out with our um, mental health. And second, to not always wait until something happens to your community to to empathize, to uh, connect with people outside of your community, because if you are not white, like, it will come for you, uh, and and we can't be delusional that it's not going to. So, not to put fear into people's hearts, but to remind everyone that you know we need to we need to fight this together, um, and hopefully these conversations um, remind people of that and empower them to you know to to stand with with one another against racism. Jaslyn, what about you? Yeah, I agree. And I would add that, you know, if you identify as white, you should care (laughs) about masses of people being killed for no reason, no matter their background. You should care about what's happening in this country because, you know, it all affects all of us. It doesn't just affect certain populations like you think it does. So I would definitely stay engaged, no matter your background, care about your fellow man, um, and also about the engaging part. Um, I think it is important to engage in what's going on at the national level and your local level and to, um, you know, engage with your representatives. They're supposed to be representing you and me. We voted for them. If they're not doing what we want them to do, we should be um, advocating for what we think is important. So definitely stay engaged. listening to this episode of the racism podcast before you go be sure to like or subscribe wherever you're listening 
to stay up to date on new episodes. And let us know via social media how you liked this first episode. How did you react um, with the anti-Asian hate? And how can we promote more of these types of memorandums from our government for all uh, marginalized groups? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other places at Racism's Podcast. And on our blog, racismspodcast.wordpress.com. And remember, we'll be fundraising all this season for a possible season four. So if you want to see a season four, please consider visiting our Buy Me a Coffee page to show us uh, with your donations that you'd like to see another season. That's buymeacoffee.com slash racismpodcast. Peace, everyone. Be safe. Music for this episode was created by Jasmine Deuce and Kyle Carson. This episode was produced.